Welcome to Firm Foundation Ministries Podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you to live out the purpose God has for your life. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. So, who's ready to dive into the Word? All right, here we go. So, this is your first time here. If you weren't here last week, we've been diving through a new sermon series titled The Unashamed Church. Say it with me. The Unashamed Church. We are called to be unashamed and unapologetic about our faith. Amen. In a, in a time of, that we're living in here in 2022, it's become very difficult to try to figure out what is going on. Right? But at, honestly, as the years go... It gets more and more confusing, it seems like, right? Of like, man, what's, what's happening in society? What's happening in, in culture? But that shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter what's going on in the culture. It doesn't matter what the world has to say. It doesn't matter what the society has to say, what my family members have to say. I'm called to be unapologetic about Jesus. I'm called to be unashamed about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God is calling us to be a church, to be a ministry where we are unapologetic about what the Word has to say on issues, what God has to say for my life, and the purposes and plans He has for me. I'm called to be unashamed about it. And this, this series, uh, the, ver- the, the series was birthed out of one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It's Romans 1 verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And last week we started this series with unashamed worship. Who was here last week? Good amount of us. So last week, if you weren't here, quick summary. We talked about what does it mean to be confident in worship. When we come together, when we worship in the house, when you go back home and you worship at, at your job, in your living room, in your car, what does worship look like, right? And the main point from last week was... A confident worshiper will be a confident Christian. Because we're talking about how can we be confident uh, sons and daughters of God in 2022. The first thing, we got to be confident in our worship. Because you will be most confident in the thing you worship the most, right? So we talked about how we need to worship God. And this week, man, this week is is heavy. And we're going to face an elephant in the room. And that is our lifestyle. How we live. Because anybody can say with their mouth, I believe in Jesus, but it takes a whole nother step to actually walk it out. And today, we're gonna, the title of this message is Unashamed Lifestyle. You're here on Sunday morning, praise God. You call yourself a member of FFM, hallelujah. But when people watch the way you live, when people see your lifestyle, does it look different than their lifestyle? Can people see a difference in how you walk, how you respond to chaotic things, how you respond to problems in the world? Is the life you live different than the people in the world? Because this week I want to talk about how a confident Christian, an unashamed Christian, is confident in the radical lifestyle they choose to live for Christ. And when you confidently stand on the solid foundation of Christ... It will be hard for anything to push you off or make you lose your balance. I need a couple volunteers. Uh, Jordan and JJ, thanks for volunteering. How don't you guys come up? (laughs) Definitely not, Dad. That's definitely not happening. Let's give a hand to these willing servants of Christ. Come on. Come on. Good to see y'all, man. All right. 
Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start off with an analogy. JJ, I need to, be, need to be over here. Let's be in the center so everybody can see. You're beautiful. Aren't they beautiful, young men of God? Come on now. Come on. All right, so all I need you to do is follow instructions, okay? So the first one, Jordan, I just want you to stand as you are. Don't do anything. And I'm going to push you, but I just ask, don't lose your balance, okay? Now, JJ, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to push you, but... I'm going to need you to stand on one foot, okay? But the key just is simple instructions. Don't, don't fall, okay? All right? You ready? Okay, go ahead. Stand how you are. Hop on one foot. Oh, let's see that balance. Let's see that agility. You ready for football? All right. My man. Good job, Jordan. He is following instructions. Good job, bro. No, JJ. <laughs> My God, did you just hear me? I said, don't lose your balance. Here, let me try with Jordan. Okay, see? He, he listened to me. See? I'm pushing him. See? Okay. Good job, Jordan. All right. Do the same. No. Got hop on. Like I said. <laughs> JJ, my guy. The following instructions, bro. Come on, man. Why aren't you staying still? Okay, I'm going to be. I'm, uh, that's enough for today. Let's give him a hand. Thank you, guys. You're amazing. We got to work on that agility, JJ. Football's coming up. So out of, out of the two, I gave them the same instructions, right? I said, whatever you do, don't lose your balance. And out of the two, which one kept their balance? Jordan. The one who had both feet on the ground. Who lost their balance? JJ, the one that was hopping on one foot. He was lo- losing his balance. This is why I start today with this analogy. Because each and every one of us in this room, we're one or the other. You are either standing firm and confident on the foundation God has established for your life, or you kind of in, you kind of not. Where, like, you, you call yourself Christian, but you don't want to submit to to what the word has to say. Like, like you, you want to be in, but you're kind of lukewarm. We're like, yeah, you, you, you want to go to heaven, but you don't want to live like heaven's on earth. Where it's like, you, you kind of are. And the thing is, it's a lot easy for you to lose your balance when you're not standing firm on the foundation you got. And the thing is, the reason why I got to talk about this is because many Christians today, they can't even focus on being unashamed because they're so focused trying to stay balanced on one foot. But if we were supposed to stay on one foot, God would have just created one leg for us. But guys, God has created two legs. So that means he's called us to stand firm. We're not called to be on one foot. And if you're on one foot today, I really hope you pay attention to the message because God, by the grace of God and by the cross, Jesus' death and resurrection, you have the access and availability to receive the foundation that he has given. But it's up to you. It's time to make a choice because another thing about being unbalanced is that when you fall, the devil's ready to catch you and provide a different foundation. When, and the thing is, when, you, when you're just on one foot, when someone just gives a shove of temptation, when someone gives a shove of making fun of you because you're not going to the party, when, when that one girl that you have a crush on but you know that's not good for your life, just one text message is easier for you to stay off balance because you're not even on the foundation God has given you. A confident believer is confident in the foundation God has given them. 
And you will only stand firm if you will put two feet on the ground. So if you like to turn me in your word, I already gave instruction, but we're in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Last week we were in Romans 12, verse 1, and I'm going right under it. So I'm going to go ahead and read verse 1 and verse 2 in this. Here we go. Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed. Everyone say conformed. To this world, but be transformed. Everyone say transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. And we welcome you in this place. God, I pray that you speak to our hearts and our minds as we dive into Scripture and see what you have to say. Holy Spirit, take full control. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. When you choose to live a life being transformed by Christ instead of conforming to the world, you will stand firm in what you believe like Jordan and your life alone will be the proof that God is real. We overcomplicate these things where it's like, oh, the the greatest way we can try to show people that God is real and that there's a better option is we need bigger stages. No, we we need more lights. We need some, let's let's make it look like we're at the Grammys on the Sunday morning service. We got to, we got to reel them in. All right, what's it? Okay, we're going to, we're going to get a coffee shop. That's going to reel in everybody. We, 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 We try to get all these different ideas, all these resources to try to pull people in. But the thing is, We're so focused on the resources that we lose focus on the source that brings life, and that is Christ. And I am all about the nice stage. I'm all about the lights and the coffee. We're all about that. But my greatest way of evangelizing to people in my life is my own life by the way that I live. And this morning, it's time to make a choice. Will you be conformed by the world Or will you be transformed by the Holy Spirit? And sad news for those of you who like to find a lukewarm spot and stay comfy, there's no middle ground. It's either or. Our walk with God, this life, it's like an escalator. You're either going up or you're going down. In this moment right here, on this Sunday, May 1st, 2022, you are either progressing towards God or you're progressing towards the world. Where, which direction are you progressing towards? That's the question you need to ask this morning because you're either conforming or transforming. You're either drawing closer to God or closer to the world. And even as believers, even myself, I have to make a daily choice to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Each and every day, Holy Spirit, transform me because this world is out here trying to get me. And the devil's out here trying to get you and trying to get you conformed to the world, but we're called to be transformed. Who wants to be transformed by the Spirit this morning? Who wants to live a Christ so so sold out for Christ that people are going to look at you and be like, man, I could tell something's different in that woman. I could tell something's different in that guy while he's responding different to all the chaos happening. I want to be that. So for us to be that, I'm going to dive into two simple points today, two simple choices that every transformed believer must make. And the first choice is we need to make the choice to have faith over feeling. Turn to your neighbor and say, faith over feeling. So as we look at the scripture, the first part of this verse says, do not be conformed to the world. 
So this warns us that the world system will try to conform you. And it will try to conform us to its ungodly pattern. And that process must be resisted. Now this world system, what is it? The world system is the popular culture and manner of thinking that is in rebellion against God. Right? There has been an evil agenda from the beginning of time. From the time the serpent spoke to Eve until Jesus comes back, the devil has an agenda and it is to be in rebellion against God. Full, complete rebellion. And this word conform means not in accordance or agreement with prevailing norms, standards, or customs. So when Paul is saying, do not be conformed to the world, he's warning us, do not be in accordance or agreement with the prevailing norms of this culture, the standard of living that the world preaches. We can't do that. So to to conform to the world, it means to agree with what the world condones. When you're conformed to the world, you are in agreement with what the world preaches. So what are some of those things? The first one, gossip. This world condones gossip. What else? Lying. Lying, it's, it, we, when we think of lying, it's not the wrong thing to do. It's become an option that's allowed. What else? We have cheating. The world has condoned cheating on your wife. Can I prove it to you? This disgusting movement going around called open marriage that is ungodly and it's evil. Open marriages, that is not what God has established marriage to be. And it, it, it makes me sick to my stomach that the world has preached and said, it is okay for you to sleep with whoever you want to sleep. That is wrong, church. That is a worldly practice that is being condoned. Another thing is sexual immorality. We see this all over. The world condones this. How about lack of character and lack of integrity? Have you ever noticed how we're so drawn to people's popularity instead of their character? The most famous people on this earth, they're not those who tell the truth the most. They're the ones who have the most followers. They're the ones who have the most success on the outside. And we're pushing away integrity because of popularity. This is a principle that the world condones. And when we look at each and every piece of this worldly system, it comes back to one thing, ourselves. Selfish momentary pleasure. That's what the world is preaching. What can I get? What can I get right now? Not tomorrow. It's my money and I need it. See what I'm saying? Like we need it right now. This is what the world preaches. And here's the thing about the patterns of this world. The reason why it's so much easier to conform than to be transformed is because it feels good. Let's be honest. I'm going to be honest this morning. It feels good to conform to the world. What the world has to offer for me, it feels good. And that's why it's tempting. Because if it didn't feel good, it wouldn't be tempting. If the rush you get from weed and alcohol didn't feel good, no one would be addicted. It feels good. Did you know that it takes faith to not conform to the world? It takes faith. Because at the moment, it never looks like it's worth it to choose God 
over choosing your desire. It's actually harder to say yes. Jesus even said, few people will choose to follow me. The, the, the wide path is wide for a reason because it's a lot easier. One of my first points today is every wise decision in your life will require faith. Every choice, every decision you have to make that would be wise, it takes faith. Let me give some real examples. Saving sex for marriage. That takes faith. As a single person, I had to have the faith to believe that not having sex now will be better for me and my marriage if I would wait till after marriage. But that requires faith. Because can I be transparent and open right now? I wanted to have sex before I was married. (gasps) (laughs) Bruno, it's true. And don't point at me because we all are in the same headspace. (laughs) That's why we all must be transformed. (laughs) Because I had to have faith to believe that God's going to bless me and Juliana if I save myself for after. And it's only been nine months, but I can, I can attest to the fact that God has been faithful and he has been blessing us so much. And I know it has to do because we stayed pure. There's no doubt in my mind that God has blessed us for being pure, but it took a lot of faith. <laughs> Let me give another example. Turning down a tempting financial opportunity. Let's be real. Those moments where you get offered certain amount of zeros that you have never seen before in your life, right? But then you go to eldership, you go to your pastor, you go to the word, you pray. You're like, God, give me wisdom. And he says, nope, don't do that. Nope, that's not for you. Yeah, that's a lot of zeros, but that's a lot of time away from the family. So you probably shouldn't be doing that. It takes faith in that moment to be like, boss man, I'm sorry, but I can't do it. It takes faith. How about maintaining integrity? That takes faith. Because a moment of maintaining integrity means to compromise integrity so I can fulfill a momentary desire. A momentary desire will always tempt you to push off some integrity. But it takes faith for me to believe that even though no one's around, no one's watching me, I'm going to believe that God is watching me and he will honor me accordingly. All these decisions take faith. How about living in sobriety? It looks different for each and every one of us. Maybe it's vaping, marijuana, alcohol, whatever it is. It takes faith to trust in God more than the bottle in the moment. Because, yes, in the moment, the alcohol is going to give you some momentary pleasure. For sure. But it's going to give long-term destruction. And we need to have faith to believe it. But why, why is it so hard? It's because of the feeling. And maybe the only thing keeping you from freedom today is your feelings. And boy, does the world love to use feelings. The world is led by emotions. The ways of the world, they are letting their emotions lead their agendas and their new moral values. And the problem with this is that many Christians, they live in this life based on feelings. Life based on feeling, what does that mean? It's simply, how do I feel about my job? 
Yep, it's paying the bills, praise God, but how do I, I don't feel like going today. How do I feel about my spouse this morning? I could end right there. Let's pray. (laughs) I'm learning that too. How do I feel about immigration? How do I feel about abortion? I don't want to look at the facts. I don't care about the truth. How do I feel? How do I feel about LGBTQ rights? How do I feel about the transgender movement? How do I feel? Why are we so caught up in looking at facts? Dude, where, how are my emotions responding? How do I feel about politics? How do I feel about these things? And here's an important truth, church. This life being led by feeling, it will never know the transforming power of God. Amen. Let me give you a, a, a fun fact about Scripture. The word feeling, everyone say feeling, feeling. is used 85 times in the Bible. The word truth, so let me hear you say truth, truth, is used 235 times in the Bible. What does this reveal to me? It shows that God is way more interested in the truth than how we feel about it. God is so much more worried about what's true than how it makes us feel. And you know why? It's because he's a loving father. Let me talk to the parents this morning. How many times have you chosen to discipline your children even though it didn't feel good? I know there were probably a couple times that my dad enjoyed spanking me, but probably majority of the time, he didn't want to spank me. I'm just kidding. He probably never wanted to spank me. He was too tired. <laughs> He's like, uh, let's have Anna and deal with him. There's been many times, right, parents, where you decided to discipline your, your child and you didn't care about their feelings. My parents didn't care that I was sad that I couldn't go out and hang out with my friends. I would call my dad, dad, that's not fair. So? <laughs> that's how long our conversation was. But it was needed because 11 year old is not wise. And in the same way, church, There are many areas that we are facing head on as a church and as a world that we don't understand the full capacity of. So why are we coming to God to dictate what is right and wrong? Why are we coming to God and giving our agendas and saying, yo, this is how we feel about it. So this is how it's going to be. But that's not how it goes, church. Because he's an omnipotent God, because he's all powerful, because he is all knowing, I need to trust that what he has to say is so much more sufficient than my feelings. Because we need to remember too that God is not against emotion. God is not against feeling. He's a God of emotions. Like when you read scripture, these men were in love with God. David would cry being in love with God. In John 17, it says to have everlasting life means to know me. That word know in the translation of Greek means intimacy. God is all about intimacy. God wants you to cry in his presence. God wants you to have righteous anger. These are truths, but they, feelings and emotions are completely insufficient foundations to live upon. So it's, it's okay to have feelings, but it's not okay to put your weight on it. Because I'm the first one to say, your emotions, like, receive them. You're, it's okay. There's sometimes we don't feel like worshiping. That's fine. There are times where we, we feel super sad in the presence of God. 
I muted it when I sat on the chair. See, it's a problem. See what I'm saying? <laughs> Praise God, man. See, there's consequences. Ooh, thank you, Holy Spirit. There are consequences that come when you put all your weight on your emotions because it's not a good foundation. Can I, can I blow some people's minds today? Did you know that Jesus had feelings? <gasps> Jesus had emotions. But think about this truth, church. If Jesus let his feelings lead his life, he would have never died on the cross. If Jesus let his emotions lead his life, you and I would never experience heaven on earth. We would have never encountered the Holy Spirit, and we would never have this gift of grace and forgiveness from the cross. Imagine if Jesus said, my feelings are valid, God. I see that you have a plan for me, but I feel like not dying on the cross. I don't feel like forgiving these terrible people. I'm going to do my thing, and I'm just going to take a one, one flight up to heaven because I don't feel like doing it. How many times do we come to God and say, I don't feel like doing that? Yeah, God, your will is for me to not have sex while being engaged or dating, but I don't feel like doing that. No, God, I see that you're saying that alcohol is a problem for my marriage and I should probably surrender it to you, but I don't feel like doing it. But church, Jesus, he did not want to die on the cross. He was weeping. The scripture says he was weeping. He had blood on his head because he was so terrified he did not want to do it. So much so he asked God, take this cup from me. God, I don't want to die on this cross. If there's any other other possibility for us to do this, let's do it because I don't want to do it. But what did he say after that? Not my will, but yours will be done. And this is how we respond to our emotions. This is how we respond to our feelings. Because emotions aren't bad, but the question is, how are you fueling your emotions? Because the world fuels feeling with action, but God fuels feeling with faith. There is a difference. For example, you frustrated with your marriage, right? The world will say, fuel that feeling with complaining. Fuel this feeling, let him get what he deserves and go sleep with somebody else. But God says, I see, that you, I see that you heartbroken of your marriage, but we're going to fuel this feeling with faith, and I need you to go pray for your husband. I need you to go pray for your spouse. God sees the, the frustrations that you have in marriage, but you have to pray for your spouse. If you're having marriage struggles this morning, pray about it. In that prayer closet, God is going to do some transforming, maybe not just in your spouse, but in you. And you might find out that you're the bigger problem. Because the problems with relationships are always both sides. So in that place where you're going to feel that feeling where it's like, I don't feel like getting married to this person. They told me countless times they want to divorce me. They keep doing whatever they want. They're not going to church with me anymore. But I'm going to have the faith to believe that God is going to do a miracle. That's how we fuel our emotions in our relationships. Maybe you frustrated that you're broke. Hallelujah. I've had many frustrations that I'm broke. Right? And the world is going to say, fuel that emotion, fuel that frustration by going and making money however you got to make it, even if it's illegal. Do what you got to do. How many people have been murdered on the streets? 
How many people have been arrested and sent to prison for life because they chose to fuel this feeling of frustration with evilness and unrighteousness? But God, he says, I see that you're frustrated that you're broke. Let's fuel that feeling with faith and go get another job. You know, the word says faith without works is dead. So you frustrated? Let's actually have some faith and build a budget. Some of y'all this morning, the greatest step of faith you can make is building a budget. But we get so hyper-spiritual and think, I'm not going to go get another job. I'm not going to go budget. I'm going to keep buying my shoes, buying my clothes, taking the vacations. But I'm just going to sit in the prayer room and say, God, send $2 million up from heaven. Hallelujah. Send it, Lord. Fill the mailbox with envelopes of blessings. But God is probably going to be like, bro, you're not working. Because the thing is, usually when you pray to God, especially about something like money or jobs and stuff, we're praying so much for God just to give the object. But usually God provides the resources for us to build the object on our own. So God's answer to prayer might not be a thousand dollar check. It might be a post on Facebook that says, looking for help, send an application. How are we fueling our emotions? Maybe you're here and you desire relationships. All my young, young single people or older single people, it's never too late to be in a relationship. But maybe you're desiring a relationship in this place. You know what the world's going to say? It's going to say, fuel that emotion by getting, go, go ahead and get you one. Get one. It doesn't matter what their, st- what their views are in life. It doesn't matter that you guys believe differently. It doesn't matter that, that they are a total jerk to you. Just go get what's available. Oh, I see the, feel, the feeling. You want to feel this feeling of, of just having sex and overcoming the sexual desire? Go get you a body. Go get what you want. Your body, your rules. But God says, no, no. I see that desire you have for marriage. It's actually a desire that I gave to you. But I need you to fuel that feeling in the prayer closet and go pray for your future spouse. Pray for your future partner. How are we fueling our emotions? And guys, I'm so encouraged. I'm so encouraged that God is greater than my emotions. I'm so grateful that God is greater than my feelings. Because in a moment of despair, in a moment of heartbreak, the Lord speaks over your emotion. Because my emotions may say one thing, but God says another. Can I encourage somebody when that feeling comes, when your emotion says that depression is a good thing and that suicide is the only option, my God will say in his presence there is fullness of joy. I will turn your mourning into dancing. Your emotions might say that nothing will satisfy me, no one will satisfy me, but my God says my cup, if you drink my cup, if you drink my cup, I'm going to give you satisfaction like never before. Your feelings might say that no one loves me, no one wants to be with me, but my God says that he sticks closer than a brother. You may be here you might be feeling that you'll never experience freedom you'll never experience liberty but my God says where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom where my presence is there is liberty so we're going to fuel our feelings with faith it's time to be led by your faith instead of your feelings my word says truly I tell you if you have faith as small as a mustard seed and you tell that mountain to move nothing will be impossible for you I'm here to encourage somebody don't trust in what you see 
Trust in what God sees. He's the God of the already. He's the God of the already established it. So trust in me. We got to get take a time to give some praise to our God who has faith over feeling. We can trust him this morning. Because if we want to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, we need to say, even though my feelings go up and down, even though my emotions are telling me that I'm never going to find a way, I'm choosing faith over my feelings. That's what the transformed believer chooses to do. And we need to make that choice this morning to choose faith over feelings. You guys still with me today? Isn't our God good? Isn't our God amazing? His love endures forever. He loves us so much more than we ever deserve to be loved. That's why I'm so grateful this morning. So we're talking about being transformed, right? I want to be transformed. I don't want to be conformed. And when I'm transformed, I will be an unashamed believer. But it's time to make some choices. Everyone, Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to make some choices. The next choice is conviction over compromise. So as we continue to read the word... So we already read the first part. It says, do not be conformed to the world. But in the next part, it says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So this is the opposite, complete opposite of being conformed to the world. In the battleground between conforming to the world and being transformed in Christ is within the mind. That is where the battle is. And there's a transformation that happens in our minds when we submit it to God. Because as broken humans from the very beginning, our minds naturally want to be submitted to the terms of this world, which is the realm of sin and death. But when we choose to be renewed in our minds, our mind will begin to be submitted to righteousness, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit. And when you make that choice to be submitted to righteousness, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit, you will begin to see a transformation happening in you. But how are we transformed? By the renewing of our minds. Simplest way I can say it is changing the way you think. You got to change the way you think. You have the power to see this bottle half full or half empty. And it starts in your mind. So in every situation that you face, you got to look at the water bottle and be like, Do I see it half full or do I see it half empty? And it's all about the battle of the mind. Man, does anybody else go through a war in their mind? It seems like so many things happen in our minds that no one ever realized. One time, Don said it, he said it perfectly. Many times we have arguments with people in our mind all the time. And now now you're so frustrated with a guy from work because you just had a 30-minute argument in your mind with him and now you just hate him, but really he did nothing wrong. It is all in the mind. It's like you have this whole, or like one thing that I've been learning as a married man is this thought that haunts me in my brain. Shoot, what did I do? (laughs) What did I do? Was it me? Yes. Mike's like, yes, or Ronnie. (laughs) It all starts in the mind. And maybe I just want to take some time to read some Bible verses to give you encouragement. Maybe you're here today and you struggle with, with with your mental state. You struggle 
with your mind. But I want to go ahead and read some scriptures to encourage you. So if you, if you want some Bible verses to help you with the war in your mind, I want you to get ready to, to write these down. I'm going to put it up on the PowerPoint. The first one is Galatians 3, verse 2. I read it this last week. Set your mind on things of above, not on earthly things. The next verse is Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The next verse is 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says, be alert and of sober minds. Let me say it again. Be alert and be sober-minded. Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. In the last verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This is why I love scripture. So much encouragement on what to do when you're facing the battle in the mind. And here's why it's important to be renewed by our minds. Because those who can't change their minds can't change their life. If you do not begin to make different choices in your minds, you will never experience the change you want. Because it all starts in the minds. And the thing is, we can get so caught up in everything around us that kind of like I talked about a little bit last week is that we get lazy and we take everything around us as an excuse to not make change in our minds. I understand maybe you were raised or you're currently living in a broken household. You and those other individuals, you guys share the same roof, but no one else shares the same brain. No one else in your life has the same mental state as you. So you and another person can be in the exact same situation and see the bottle half full and the other person can see it half empty. So this is why it's so important for us to be renewed in the mind. In one area of my life that I've seen God tremendously transform me through my renewal is conviction. And I want to take some time to talk about conviction. This word conviction, it's a very well-known word in the church, but when we think of the word conviction, when we think of the word, you know, convict, you know, we think of someone was convicted for a certain crime, right? But in Scripture, it talks about something different. I want to talk about the importance of conviction. And I went ahead and made a Facebook post this week and asked you guys, hey, what is conviction to you? And all of your answers were amazing. I loved seeing the response. The simplest definition I can give is conviction is obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit when he tells you something that you shouldn't be doing. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he's convicting you about something, telling you, hey, you, should, you shouldn't do this at all. Right? Do you guys ever get that voice of like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. They're going to find out, they're going to find out. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God telling you not to do something. That's conviction. And conviction may not even be a sin, but it can be things that will personally pull you closer to sin that God is trying to protect you from. And I'm here to say that conviction is a good thing. Conviction is a good thing. And I would even be crazy enough to say that if you don't have conviction, you are not being transformed. I've seen conviction work in my life so much And I'm so grateful for conviction. I want to be, 
I want to be honest, open, and transparent this morning about some convictions that God has placed in my life that have really changed my life. The first one is uh, secular rap music. The Holy Spirit convicted me, Brano, that I shouldn't be listening to secular rap music. Is it a sin to listen to secular music? No. But in Breno's life, was secular music pulling me closer to the world and leading me more to some sinful acts? A thousand percent. I had a long, many years of struggling with pornography. And when I cut out secular music, it changed my life. It wasn't a sin, but it was pulling me closer to sin. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Another thing in my personal life is alcohol. Is it a sin to drink alcohol? No, it is not. Is it a sin to be drunk? Scripture makes it very clear, but it's not, it's not a sin. However, the Holy Spirit convicted Breno and said, Breno, I do not want you to drink alcohol because all you've experienced in your life when it came to alcohol was brokenness and chaos and marriages, and I want you to protect your witness. So, Breno, I would like you to surrender that desire. And I had to say, yes, your conviction might be different. I'm sharing my convictions. Another one that's been very prevalent lately is simple conversations with my wife. Because conviction isn't always big things, right? Surrender alcohol, surrender this, surrender that. Sometimes it's the little things where I'm having small conversations with my spouse and the Holy Spirit would be like, oh, I know it was a joke, but you shouldn't have said that. Tell her you're sorry. Holy Spirit. Sorry? Come on. She just starts saying sorry more. Holy Spirit. Can I be real? This hey, hypothetical babe. I'm, it's an example. You're always right. You're always right. Those little things. Because if you can't, if you can't listen to conviction with the small things, you'll never listen to conviction with the big things. So this is very important. And we all need to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit when it's like, Just tell her that you were wrong and say sorry. And I've seen the beauty in that. And it actually brings us closer as a marriage. Sometimes we be apologizing to each other and the other person is like, what did you do? I'll be like, what? No. But in those moments, the Holy Spirit, he does something special. So even the little things like saying sorry, the Holy Spirit will convict you. Hey, you got to say sorry. You got to say sorry. Another thing, TV shows. Me and my wife, we love movies. We love hanging out and watching movies together. But there will be times when we choose a movie and the Holy Spirit would smack us in the face and say, you shouldn't be watching that. And we'd be like, nope, let's go watch Monk. We love Monk. I don't know if anyone else likes the show Monk's little older show. We love that show. But there's been times where the Holy Spirit would be like, nope, you shouldn't be watching that. Nope, you shouldn't be listening to that. Nope, you shouldn't be listening to that person. Nope, you shouldn't be hanging out with that person. Nope, you shouldn't be doing these things. Or in the flip, you should be doing this thing. It's so important to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, uh, of the Holy Spirit through conviction. And many people, when they hear this word conviction, they see it as a negative thing. You might be hearing, you may view conviction as a punishment. But I view conviction as a protecting fence. Conviction keeps me from where I shouldn't be. And it keeps me where I should be. And I praise God for conviction. And I encourage you in your life, start praying for conviction. 
If you feel like you're in a place where you're not being convicted, like you want, you want to be transformed in Christ, you want to draw closer to him, start praying, God, convict me of some things that I should let go of. Because usually it's not things that are legitimately sin, but it's things that will lead you closer and closer to sin. One of my favorite scriptures about conviction itself is 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. It says, if you felt a godly grief, so sorry, for you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. So the simplest way I can say is godly grief is conviction. But worldly grief is compromising from the conviction. And in every situation in your life, you have to make the choice of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit or compromising that and listening to the voice of the world. It's important. We need conviction, church. Can anyone say amen? Having no conviction is like standing on one foot where you kind of you in, but you don't listen to the Holy Spirit. It's like standing on one foot. Maybe the reason why you're not being transformed the way you want to be transformed and maybe you're not being used by God the way he wants you to is because you're not listening to conviction. Because here's an important detail. The devil is always going to try and tempt you to compromise your convictions. But sometimes it's not even the devil. Sometimes it's God testing you to see if you are ready for the next step, if you are ready for the next season. So it's so important. Why is this important, Breno? Why are you talking about conviction? Why are you talking about this? Why, do we have, why are you saying the word conviction over and over and over it's because, church, the devil is on a mission. The devil is on a mission to keep you conformed from the world and not just be locked up in the worldly views, but be locked up in some chains. The devil's primary goal is to defeat the follower of Jesus and get him locked up in some heavy chains. But here's the important detail we got to remember. The devil doesn't come to you and say, hey, here's this chain. Hey, here's my plan. You're going to be addicted for 10 years. You're going to fall in a terrible divorce. You're going to go bankrupt and your kids are going to hate you. Want to let me do it? He doesn't do that. What does the devil do? He gives us a choice. He gives us one small choice. He doesn't come to us. With all these chains, he comes to us with a small, harmful choice. Oh, it's just, it's just one night at the bar. No, it's just, no, you, it's, just one, it's just one movie. It's just one sex scene in the movie. It could be worse. I know you want purity and stuff, but it's just TikTok. I mean, no, no, it's just, it's just one argument on Facebook about politics. Just one. Just, just one drink. It's just one thought of bitterness. You probably won't think about that person in a hateful way again. Just one thought. Just one, one phrase of disrespect to your boss. It's just, just one harmful choice. And the thing is, this small compromise leads to another, to another. Because how do you make chains? Link by link. One small choice after another. The sad truth is that 
we play this blame game with the devil and say the blame, we put the blame on the devil and say the devil gave me a chain. But the truth is, the devil gave you a choice, but you built your own chains. Because one small compromise after one small compromise, one small decision after another small decision, you are allowing yourself to be conformed to the ways of God, and now you're dragging around a link. You're dragging around chains. And then you got these chains, and you're wondering, you come to the presence of God, and you wonder why you're not being used. You come to the presence of God, and you wonder why you can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit anymore. You wonder why you don't know what your purpose is. You wonder why every business move you try to make, it comes out to the other person, and now you're still broke. You wonder why you want to have a relationship, but every relationship you try to enter in, it ends up in heartbreak. You're wondering why, why, why? It's because you're in chains. And when you're locked up in chains, you have no room for the Holy Spirit to come in and to change you. Because you let the small compromises dictate your future. But I want to encourage somebody today and say that God wants to break some chains this morning. He wants to set some people free. His power, he has the power to break these chains. However, however, for God to break some chains, some of y'all are going to have to break some choices. For God to break some chains, some of y'all are going to have to unsubscribe to some YouTube channels. For God to break some chains, some of y'all are going to have to delete your Facebook account. For God to break some chains, you're going to have to stop going to the bar with those terrible friends. For God to break some chains, you got to make some choices. Make the right choice this morning. Because let me encourage somebody, not just making the small choices of avoiding sin in the world, but making the small choices to read your word for five minutes on your break. The small choices of sending a text to a pastor and say, hey, can you pray for me? The small choice of lifting up your hands just for two seconds at worship. The small choices to say yes to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The small choices to pray for those who are in your life, who are in your family. The small choices will make great change in your life. And that's what the transformed believer says, that I'm going to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And I'm going to start taking ownership of my choices because I want to be transformed. Who wants to be transformed? So in closing, the end of this verse says this, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. So here's the beauty of this scripture right here. As we are transformed on the inside, the proof is evident on the outside. And how can the world understand the true beauty of the gospel when we ourselves live an exact mere lifestyle as them? Because if the world sees no difference in us, there will be no change in them. We're talking about being unashamed. And the natural surrender of being transformed in Christ will be the only thing the world will need to see. And it'll be enough to convince them that there's a better option. We are called to be unashamed. Let's stand in this place. We are the unashamed church. And the beauty of God 
is that no matter no matter how ugly and terrible we are as humans he still chooses to come back for us the scripture makes it very clear that Jesus is coming back and he's returning for his bride he's returning for his church that's 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 a fact. That's, you can't avoid that truth. But it's up to you if you're going to be a part of that return or not. And as we're talking about being the unashamed church, being unashamed is a choice. Being unapologetic about the word and about what it has to say it takes faith. So this morning, I want to give an opportunity. If you feel like you're in a place where you call yourself Christian, but you're scared, you're living in fear. Fear doesn't come from God. And He wants to break that in your life this morning. Maybe you're here and you want to be unashamed, but you just don't know how to worship. Worship is simple. All you have to do is respond and express who He is. It's very simple. Maybe you're here in this place and you want to be unashamed. You want to live a life where you stand out at work, you stand out at school. You stand out at your family reunion, but you're so caught up in letting your feelings lead your life, letting your emotions lead your life. God wants to break that this morning, and he wants you to be transformed by the truth of the word of God. You're called to be unashamed, my friend. Maybe you're here this morning, and you want to be unashamed, but you have allowed sin in your life to overtake you. And now you don't even feel a sting when you sin anymore. The word says in his presence there is freedom. And make the choice this morning to receive the freedom in this place. We're called to be unashamed. We were not built to carry these chains. We were not created to do that. We were created to surrender the chains. We were created to let them go and say, I'm not going to be chained to this anymore. I'm not going to be binded to this addiction anymore, to the sexual immorality anymore, to the lies I've listened to my whole life where they said, you're going to be just like your father. You're going to be just like your mother, addicted and homeless. You're going to be just like everybody else that came before you, lost and unsatisfied. But you got to make the choice to say, not today, I'm surrendering those chains. If you are in this place and you need that, I need you at the altar right now. Miracles happen at the altar. If you feel like you, you haven't been an unashamed believer, I need you at this altar right now. If you've been unashamed and you're like, God, help me to continue to be unashamed, I need you at the altar right now. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to break some things in your life right now in this moment. We're called to be unashamed. And let's just seek him right now. This altar is wide open. Make the choice to meet him in this place.
God, we receive your presence. So we're going to take this moment, God, to let you respond to what you have to say, Father. Come, Holy Spirit.